0: And welcome to U2B. Ah, I've decided to commit to it. I'm back with Jim Chisholm this week. How are you doing, Jim?
1: I'm, I'm fine, thank you. It's a very bold commitment. Yeah. I applaud you for it. Um, and thank you for having me back because you couldn't find anybody else but it's it's appreciated.
0: Yeah, I mean I haven't said who I am, I'm Stephen Chicken. <laughs> you, you probably hopefully you know. Repetition procedure, you don't yeah, need to. So. Exactly. Uh we are looking to have a more sort of regular rotation of guests. nothing against Jim but just, you know, have some different voices on here but being the summer holidays and to be honest, probably the people that are available would rather be doing anything in anything else in this weather than uh than sitting in a room chatting. About Huddersfield Town, yeah. I, I should imagine.
1: We're Examiner Towers? Yeah. Observing, like you said, from our Ivory Tower this beautiful landscape. Yeah, exactly. Who would want to do anything else?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of chilly up here because it's, you know... So, so removed from the masses. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So this week, Town have played Doncaster Rovers in a pre-season friendly on Wednesday night. Uh, what were your brief thoughts on the game, Jim?
1: I think again, it was a good continuation of what we've seen before in pre-season. We looked aggressive. We were on the front foot. We were playing an attacking game. We were taking risks. Now you can do that in pre-season, and maybe we'll come back to what pre-season can tell us later. But certainly positive.
0: It was interesting to see so many youngsters. I think I don't know if that's uh, a case of he's, he's trying to sort of save the players' legs a little bit and he's gonna give the night you presume he's gonna give ninety minutes to the first team on Saturday against Montpellier. But Donny were basically playing a full strength team and Town were playing all the youngsters. I think I worked out that the average age was 22.5 or something like that, 22.8, I think it was. Eight of the 11 were aged 23 or under. Probably the only two players in that starting lineup who you would expect to start regularly next season were Camille Grabara and Janino Bacuna who absolutely bossed the game, which bodes really well that they've got that, that strength in depth. Um, Grabara... Is the first time we've had a a chance to see him. His kicking was absolutely phenomenal. Like his, I I was talking to some people before the game, and they were saying you need to, you need to look out for his distribution. It's a, it's a real weapon uh, that that town can use. Sort of akin to, he's got that low, flat, sidewinder kick, similar to sort of Jordan Pickford or or Edison, which could be a a vital tool next season on the counter attack.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was good to see. I mean, he pulled off some. I don't know what you call them Hollywood acrobatic saves mm. that we, we, you've probably all seen on, on the highlights so don't know how much you can take from that but like you say looked solid against decent opposition as did pretty much everybody Bakuna again another highlight
0: I think one of the positives as well uh, what is it now we've had five friendlies there's been someone different who's sort of stood out in each of them and a variety of goalscorers. So on Wednesday, it was Rajiv Van Lepara and Janinio and Bakuna that got on the score sheet the week before that. You had Karoma and Hogg and Kachunga. And before that, we've had Adama Diakabi and Carlin Grant's got a couple as well. So, yeah, n- nicely after the trouble they had in front of goal last season, nicely a, a bit of a variety of goalscorers. scorers.
1: Yeah. But of course, it all means absolutely nothing.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's our that's our next topic is, you know, how much weight can you really put on pre-season? And Jan Sievert has, has said after pretty much all of the games, um, he stressed the need not to get overexcited. What What's your view on on pre-season, Jim? And and how much how much how much does it actually mean?
1: Uh, pre-season means that much to me. If I was I was playing it on FIFA, I would simulate it all. Yeah, I mean. It's good for fitness, it's good for embedding a certain style of play, it's good for taking a look at your team, but it is pre-season, and the key thing is it's not competitive. Yeah. And as whoever you're playing, you see these exhibition matches over in the United States, I just watched Bayern versus Dortmund, two big rivals. They, they couldn't care less. No. It was not a competitive game. Another thing I'll say is, yeah, maybe Doncaster played there, first string team, in reality we have no idea what Doncaster's plan, what they're set up, what their intention is in that game. They might see it as a bit of a kickabout against
0: yeah.
1: a second string team. Yeah, They might see it as a fitness thing.
0: They've only just got a new manager as well.
1: Yeah, so he's probably like thinking, right, is this my first 11? Okay, they're playing a team of youngsters. You know, Let's just use this as a, as a game for, to see... Individually, who 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 plays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah,
0: and and sometimes they use it as kind of an exercise as well, don't they, for specific drills or situations. So, um, I mean, they kind of ended up in an enforced situation because they had a, a man sent off with half an hour to go. So they ended up being a what do we do with ten men mm. type thing. But sometimes managers will go into preseason friendlies and say, right, I just want you to almost let them have the ball and I want to see how you cope with a team attacking you or I want you to forget about the defence today and just you know push forward and work on the attacking movement and again you don't know what the opposition have been told in that respect either.
1: And the other key thing is there's no pressure whatsoever on the players, they're often playing in in front of half, even 75% empty stadiums, Mm. there's a kind of carnival atmosphere um, uh, around Friendlies, particularly because of the time of the year, particularly because of the weather and everyone's out for a good time I've I've seen Town absolutely turn quality sides over in pre-season and I've seen us get battered by absolute dirge and in the end, that was never an indicator of how we would perform come that first whistle on the first day of the season I, I think it's been Positive because we've had a very poor season and we're coming off a, lot of, a season of a lot of negativity, mm-hmm. uh, a lack of confidence. So I think this, more than any other pre season we've had in recent years, has been important to hit the ground running, to win games, for people to get on the score sheet. But come Derby, I don't know what's going to happen in that game.
0: Yeah, exactly. We, we,
1: we could turn them over or they could turn us over.
0: Yeah, they probably I mean, be nil nil. I mean, I've I've had people in my in my mentions saying it's kind of the opposite that they 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 think that there's a pattern that when town have had a bad pre-season it's and turned into a bad bad season and when they've had a good preseason it's turned into a good season. But I kind of feel like there might be a bit of selection bias there, I don't, confirmation I, bias. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you look at last season, everybody remembers because a lot of us went to the Accrington game, mm. which was one of the most painful experiences I've ever been put through um, maybe that's a slight exaggeration yeah you've had a challenge yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Well, what, the what case. can I say here I am an examiner towers um, however I think people forget that we, we beat a lot of decent teams mm. we comfortably dispatched that Leipzig team yeah. I believe and, and, and a few others Leon and Bologna yeah. I think it was so it is, it is in hindsight selective memory and people pick out those really poor performances Yeah. so and, and, like, and likewise I think I don't think we had a particularly great pre-season the year that we got promoted from the the championship or i certainly remember it being quite mixed mm.
0: ho 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 fact checking santa here the summer of 2015 saw huddersfield town beat Geisley 3-1 and leighton orient 2-0 before losing 3-1 to grimsby town 4-3 to rochdale getting a nil nil draw with deportivo della coruña and then losing to Barnsley 2-1. Ho, ho, ho! I I agree with you. I think results are meaningless. I think it's um, useful for the managers to see how well their training methods are are going in, and as far as we can tell... And the big positive from from the results is that the things Town have done well so far this summer have been the stuff has been the stuff that Sievert's try, uh instilling them. So the high pre- or backing them, and so the high press and the counter attacking, and you know winning the ball high up the field and and things like that. Um, but yeah, as you say, you don't know when you get into the season where the standard is going to be. I would say though for Town, as you said after the season they had last year, I think it's. I think it is still a positive that town have won four of the five friendlies so far. If only because, if if they'd lost all of those games, then Siver would have a hell of a job on his hand trying to get the players motivated and get them back to thinking that they are capable of winning games. And you know, it, it, the winning habit will go out the window if they lose to you know if they lose three of the first four. But I think it for town in particular of all clubs in the country, I think it's a nice little reminder that they are capable of winning games, they are capable of getting different players on the score sheet and, and after the year they had, I think that, that's, uh, that, that could be quite important.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's good to be talking about football after last week, it's good to be talking about who's going to play where, what our form's going to be, so yeah, I think all in all, regardless of what happens at Montpellier, a, a positive pre-season. But the key is to take it into the actual season.
0: So a positive preseason on the pitch, and and what do you make of the, the signings off the pitch? We we ran through just sort of the squad depth last week, which I do recommend you check out if you're not already. But we didn't really talk in detail about about the new players that have that have come in. How do you assess Towns work in the transfer window so far this summer?
1: I think it's been adequate. I think you know we discussed last week the idea is to have. A starter, cover and development. I think, again, as we discussed last week, there is, it's fair to say, some blur in between that. Mm. Cover and and development.
0: In a couple of positions.
1: In a couple of positions, yeah. So I think in terms of, we've clearly gone for the young, up-and-coming players with potential. And we've always done that. I think last season, that was a terrible, terrible mistake. Yeah. Because you don't have to do that in the Premier League, and not only do you not have to do it, you're going to get punished if you do. Yeah, you need Premier League ready players. However, I think in the Championship, you can get away with that and still perform quite well. We've got a good spine of the team. Yeah, a good a lot of players who have not only Championship experience but Championship, you know, or playoff winning experience. or Some of them Championship winning experience. So all the players fit. In and around that um, the test will be if the likes of a MOI or a Congolo, or even a billion to an extent go and there's money do we carry on that yeah. strategy or do we spend it on someone who's proven somebody perhaps who's more in that top bracket of the championship or lower bracket of the Premier League, that's where the, the test will be but I think we look like a comfortable championship squad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that the club have talked about quite a lot this summer is this idea that, that I mean, every club says it, but they're looking at a character and profile as much as they are ability on the pitch. And they have specifically gone after players that, that had promotion campaigns or, or successful campaigns last season. So Josh Caroma was brought in late in Orient, they got promoted, Tommy Elphick was brought in from Aston Villa. They got promoted. Reese Brown came in from Forest Green Rovers. They got to the playoffs, which for them, a club of that stature um, in League Two, was a huge achievement. And they've specifically gone for those players that have got that that what they think of as a winning mentality. Just I think just because after the season town had last year, and and to be honest, to an extent the year before, where they were battling at the bottom of the table, they wanted to inject a little bit of of. Of that spirit, that winning spirit, in back into the dressing room by bringing in players that have come straight from clubs where, where they've been doing that. That's actually quite um, impressive when you think about. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. On top of that, you've got Herbert Bockhorn and, and Camille Grabara as well, um, who, as, as we mentioned, looked all right against Doncaster, and and I, I I expect that he'll be playing as as the first choice goalkeeper so do next I, season. Yeah.
1: One of the problems with pre-season podcasts is we sit here this week and we don't really know much more than last week. So, at the risk of repeating myself, I will also just put a note of caution in there. Bockhorn, in reality, we know nothing about. Yeah, None of us watch German regional leagues. Karoma was played in the National League.
0: Yeah, he's come from non-league. It's such a big step up. We
1: don't know how he'll step up. Yeah. Same with with Reece Brown obviously, League 2 played really well, got a lot of goals for for a midfielder.
0: And I mean I think I would say with Reece Brown as well. I think reading about him and and look, you know, speaking to people that have followed his career, I think he's a player who has ended up in League 2 less because of talent and more because of attitude Okay. Yeah. Um, which in,
1: in, in a positive sense or a negative sense in a negative sense he, okay. he, he's,
0: he's, well, he's acknowledged himself he had well documented issues at Birmingham mm. he was you know uh, turning up late for training and skipping gym sessions and things like that don't and, we all yeah exactly um, <laughs> I've been
1: skipping gym sessions for months
0: now. <laughs> yeah uh, it was at the time when he was starting to break through into the first team in the championship for Birmingham um, and then that started happening and he ended up getting suspended and his career kind of stalled after that, and it was only when he went to Forest Green that his his career sort of picked up again. I believe from speaking to people from the Gloucestershire region, they were saying that the move seemed to do him good, like getting away from the city and getting out into into the country um, in Gloucestershire. Seemed <laughs> genuinely. No, no, it sounds like, like
1: a, a great story. It Sounds like an evacuee
0: story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is twenty three. We we kind of I think we're thinking of him and like Caroma as being like the same age, but he is. Uh, by, by town standards, one of the most senior players, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is one, two, three, four of them could all step up. Yeah. Some of them might not, and we should be prepared for that, and we should give them time and space.
0: Yeah.
1: A, a player, I think, someone like, maybe not a direct comparison, but someone like a Joe Lolly. Yeah. When he came to the Championship from the National League, he had... Fits and spurts of clear talent. He was raw, and that was exciting. And that's something I see in Karoma. Yeah. But it took him a while. Yeah. And it's only, you know, what, three, four seasons on that he's a comfortable, talented championship player.
0: Player of the season at Forest Exactly.
1: And, and now has a £50 million price tag allegedly on his head. So it does take time. And when you're 19, 20, 21... You make mistakes. Mm. It's going it's going to be a, a hell of an experience for Karama to go from playing in front of you know, admittedly at, at at that level uh, a decent crowd to playing in front of 20 22 24,000 people. We sometimes don't think about these things. Yeah. That these are young men. Yeah. And if you think if you think back to when I was 19, I mean, god, I could yeah. barely put one foot in front of the other so we've got to give them credit and we've also got to recognise that and give them time give them space as fans on the internet because these are young men growing up in a generation where they do have access to social media they, they will watch it also in the stadium on the terraces all i would say and i think all it's fair to ask is that give them time give them space let them make mistakes and grow into themselves
0: yeah. at a higher level and that's off the pitch as well like as i say we mentioned reese brown and um I should say the end to that story was was they were saying he matured massively and you know he, look, he's he looks ready like to he's, move back to the big yeah, metropolis, yeah, of exactly. Huddersfield, <laughs> exactly. But and and he's acknowledged those mistakes himself. But like as you say, you think about yourself when when you're that age, and it's like you know there is a lot of stuff going on in your personal life. Although they you know the club do as much as they can to try and you know cosset them without suffocating them. Uh, and and keep their mind on 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 the ball at that age inevitably you're going to have stuff going on in your personal life that that affects your professional life and moving to a new city is like it's something that we never talk about in football like mm. but it's not an inconsequential thing no. to, if you spent all your life living in london as karoma has i believe and then you you move up to to yorkshire it, it can be a bit of a culture shock and mm. it, it you're not going to be performing your best while you're still try to, you know, sort yourself out and sort your life out and and get used to to a new way of of life in a new, new town.
1: Just like when, I mean, I'm sure we've all had experiences of moving away for a job or for university, you know, it takes time to adjust. Yeah. Whatever. And footballers, just because they get paid money, doesn't mean that they're still not human beings. Yeah. And
0: and it's not to say that no footballer ever hits the ground running, or no young player can ever slot into a first team, because obviously, demonstrably they can. But I think you're right to sort of sound a bit of caution and and sort of plead for a little bit of patience with, particularly the younger players. The other other player we've not talked about, transfer-wise, who is at the other end of that scale, is Tommy Elphick, though, mm -hmm. who's 31... Been captain everywhere he's been glowing reports from from every manager he's ever worked with. Which we, we did talk about a little bit last week. Uh, how how do you view that? Do you think getting in that experience alongside the youth was was important for Town to do this summer?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it echoes some of the kind of transfer dealings we did when we were in the, the Championship. You know, bringing a, a Schindler or a Lurva or a Heffler. Okay, they were all younger but they'd all captained their sides, arguably very big sides, bigger than Huddersfield Town, I would, I would argue. Um, feel free to bleep, <laughs> bleep that out. See what social media backlash we get.
0: I can't believe you suggested that there are any clubs bigger than Huddersfield Town. I know, it's,
1: it's a dangerous it's a dangerous game, but... Imagine you if know, a player did that. Fear not, <laughs> fear not the path you're walking on for a lack of other people walking on it, I believe. That was a, a butchering of a Robert F. Kennedy quote. Um So yeah, I mean, obviously it's positive..
0: Yeah.
1: Elfik has brings his own issues. He hasn't played a great deal of football recently. He strikes me as someone who lacks pace, mm-hmm. and perhaps that's not the best partner for Schindler to have. Yeah, because he's not the fastest either. But again, he clearly is somebody and you know, you've seen some of these preseason games, he's somebody who talks.
0: Yeah.
1: He's not shy. Yeah. And I think Schindler, although he is a leader, is not a vocal leader. Mm. It's positive to have, have him in the team, positive for him to, you know, show other players and to have that kind of respect that, you know, I've been there, I've done it.
0: It seems to be I mean I'm not going to like claim that like I'm an expert on the social mechanics of Fuddersfield Town based on <laughs> based on having been to two and a half training sessions. The one I went to on Friday up at PPG Canal it started absolutely lashing it down. I was there with my laptop, I was going to live blog the whole thing, and then heavens opened and it was it's like well I can't even write, so <laughs> this was a this was a waste of time. Anyway, Elphick strikes me as having like a sort of an, a natural. And respect. He's he's not he's not a Roy Keane who's going around breaking people's balls. And you know, as far as I can tell, um, he's just he's he's just got this a, a quiet dignity to him. And you know, I'm sure that he, he will give people an earful if they need it. But yeah, I think again, speaks of the kind of characters that they're trying to bring in. They they don't want players that are going to come in and and shout shout at everyone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking of of players that have been shouted at, yeah, would, I mean, the Billing and, and Zanka sagas drag on. I know we've heard this week that potentially Billing is slated for a, a seventeen million pound move to Bournemouth. I, I would be very sceptical of that number, mm. not necessarily the move itself. And Zanka, I believe, is still linked with a move to Fenerbahce.
0: Yeah, that one keeps coming up.
1: million euros, Mm. Um, I actually bumped into some uh, Fenerbahce fans in in Lisbon and and they were asking me, you know, is this going to happen, so it's clearly got maybe more legs if it's been reported in the Turkish media as Mm. well. Uh, I'd I'd like to just, I'm not going to say defend both of them, but maybe put both of their situations into some perspective, so I've got kind of like three points to make, the first is on, on billing. You know, we spoke about the likes of Karoma and Reese Brown being young men, um, having to adapt to the world like, like we all did at that time. Um, I think Billings in the, the same situation. Mm. I think if you're in a job and you don't particularly like your manager or your boss and you go away to your home country and you get interviewed by a newspaper and, and, and you say all this stuff. And to be honest, it was it was out of order by billing. Yeah. But again, he's, he's still quite a young man. And he is somewhere, clearly, where he doesn't want to be. And we've all been in that situation, right? We've all been in a job that we didn't like. From what he said in his interview, and I, I do not know whether this is true or not, he says that, you know, Jan Siebert's this kind of guy who is, is very... In your face, he'll tell you what he thinks, and he's a bit shouty. And I, c- I, c- I can believe that a lot of a lot of coaches are. Um, some people just don't respond to that, mm. and I think there's this, this attitude, particularly C fans, saying, "Oh well, you know, back in my day, you know, you'd go in and you'd get the air dry treatment." And and the truth is, it's not back in the day. Mm. People respond to different things, and I think a lot of players actually need an arm around them.
0: Yeah. Um, well people go on about the hair dry with Ferguson but like you read about how he treated Eric Cantona and he would never subject Cantona to that.
1: He gave him complete carte blanche yeah. to do what he wanted because he knew that was the kind of player. I like that
0: you went French for the uh, well you know I, I was, it you was could have said a blank slate was, it, was, it, was,
1: it, was, it was unintentional <laughs> but I will absolutely take credit for my cultural uh, vocabulary absolutely.
0: I mean there's a story about like I think it was like a post meal or something like that or an awards day or, or something along those lines and Lee Sharp who I think it's fair to say was a bit of a, a troublesome player at times turned up looking a bit of a scruff and Ferguson gave him a right rollicking in front of 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 the rest of the squad and then Cantona turned up in like a t-shirt and jeans and it's just like ah, oh, great to see you <laughs> Yeah,
1: but, but that's because Eric Cantona could do his talking on the pitch Yeah, and Ferguson knew knew that he needed him now I think that's where Billing's gone wrong I think Billing maybe overestimates his ability he's clearly a talented player I, 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 I've, I've said this on, and it's documented you know I've, I've, I've just, uh, just so you know I've said this <laughs> multiple codes. occasions give me, give time, me time codes, time codes. I've said this on multiple occasions, he always struck me as the kind of all-round midfielder.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he could tackle, he could He could pass, he had long-range passing ability, he could shoot. Um, maybe the defensive side of his game dropped off. And he always gets criticised, like all players get criticised in England, if you look a bit languid. Yeah. And then Mesut Oertzel, he always got criticised. He had the best assist stats. In the Premier League, yeah. after three years, and David Moyes was still saying, "Well, he still hasn't proved himself in the Premier League." So that's kind of a cultural thing. So I, I just, I don't know, I just think cut people some slack. If he wants to leave, he he wants to leave. You know, Matt Glennon said to me when, when on on, a, on another podcast we interviewed him, a lesser podcast. I might <laughs> it's dead now, so he can criticize yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he said one of the one of the reasons he kind of like dropped out of professional football and. and went to Halifax, and then one of the reasons he dropped dropped out of football altogether is because he was a grown man, and people were coming in and just shouting at him, treating him like a kid. Mm. And no matter how much you get paid, some people, I'm like this, I just, I'd, I wouldn't have that. Mm. I wouldn't like it. It's not pleasant. Um, so I can understand that as well. And I'd, I'd sat down with a, a pizza buffet with another sportsman.
0: I presume it being a pizza buffet, it was one of...
1: Gareth Southgate, Stuart Pearce. Oh, yeah, I can't tell you, but he wasn't a footballer, so, no, he, um, he's a rugby player, and, I ate more than him, just, and I don't know whether that's a good thing, (laughs) or a bad thing, but he, he said, you know, what people don't often recognise, like, it is a job, doesn't matter how much you get paid, um, do the same thing, day in, day out, working with people that, for, Good or bad reasons, you know that you you don't particularly like. Mm. It gets boring, it grinds you down, mm. um, and I think the same thing with Zanka. Zanka strikes me. And by the way, I, will, I would say I don't think Zanka did anything like really that wrong. He basically said, "Next season, my options are open." Yeah, I would. You know, the the world is a big place. I would like to explore that. That's absolutely fine. I mean, he. Clearly, he strikes me as as a cultured, urban, cosmopolitan man who wants to do something new. And, you know that clearly came across when he did his Zanka time.
0: Yeah, Twitter I, things. I, I do think it's only because they're both Danish that we keep talking about Billing and Zanka as though they're the Danish. Yeah, the Danish. Pair. And, and then and, and know, was in that. Yeah, yeah. was in that. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, yeah. The, the
1: the troublesome trio? It's,
0: it's funny how like we just assume that they're all mates and they're all basically the same. Yeah, yeah their yeah, attitudes yeah. and yeah. what's gone on just because. But I understand
1: what Zanka's saying. He's he's of a certain age and he he would like to go and do new things. What's wrong with that? And this this brings me to my my third point. This might sound a bit extreme, but I think there is something very strange about the employment of football players. I I think it is, by definition, indentured servitude. Mm -hmm. You have to give your labour to an employer for a fixed contract for a fixed time mm. and for a fixed wage that you have, you know, very little chance of getting out of. I don't know whether you can buy yourself out of a football contract, I'm not sure. And then this employer decides when it sells you to a third party, and then you have to sign another contract that is essentially indentured servitude. Mm. It's odd. None of us would like that in our. Mm. Everyday lives, and obviously, the comeback is and it essentially is the only comeback you get paid a lot of money, and that's true. But actually, a lot of football players don't get play, paid a lot of money. You go down to League One, League Two, and you get one injury, um, you have a very short career. Um, it's just a strange, strange setup.
0: I think to, to play, I do kind of agree with your, your broad point. To play devil's advocate though, for a moment. I think there is also an argument that players know what they're getting into when they sign those contracts. And if you wanted to get out of it, you could just say, look, I'm not going to sign any contract Mm. that's more than a year. Uh, And we can make it a year rolling contract, but I want a year contract Mm. and uh, nothing more. And I accept that I'm going to get paid a bit less because of that. But that's that's all I'll do,
1: but in reality, how many of us when I mean, we were nineteen twenty twenty one looking at a short career, would do that, yeah realistically,
0: and well, that's I, the thing, yeah, because they they' they're on the players' side of things, the benefit of signing a three four year contract is that if you get an a c l injury or something mm. like that in the middle of that. Then you're covered, and you know that you've got a club to go back to who can't just sack you because you got injured, which is an occupational hazard.
1: And, and loyalty is a two-way thing. Yeah, it's a two, you know, it's not just a player to a club and to fans and to, to management. It's it's the it's the other way around. It's management, club, and, and play and fans to a, to a, a player, and that's that bond isn't strong anymore. No,
0: I mean, how many you hear stories all the time of players just being told, basically, we've accepted a bid. Yeah, see, see you later. So off you go.
1: Yeah, who was that reading some, was reading something about that? I think it might have been Marcus Stewart, actually, at Huddersfield. Yeah. Anybody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, he came into t- trading and Steve Bruce just said, you're off, flip yeah. switch. We've had a whatever, two point, whatever million pound offer, you're off. Imagine. I mean, again, right, I mean, my sympathy then, extends so far. They do get paid a lot of money, they do know what they're getting into. I think in reality, it's it's there's this other shady element which is players, agents, and agencies mm. that are, that are taking all these fees and and money and, and are also kind of acting like these weird um, middlemen trading people. But I just think it's it's worth remembering that look, there's plenty of bile at foot in football, and you know just. Direct it within reason to opposition players mm. on a Saturday at three pm, or now on a, a Monday at seven forty-five or a Friday. On
0: the the other thing that no one ever talks about with Billin is the fact that he had a town fan racially abuse him earlier this year.
1: Yeah, which which and and, and by the way, I mean, you often see this argument. That, oh it's it's when when kick it out as a campaign or where there's some campaign by Pride in Football. Oh, just get over it. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like it used to be, and it's not like it used to be. I, I, I remember being on, on, on being five, six, seven, being at town, and hearing the most vile racial abuse directed at, at our black players, whether it's Clyde Vynard or Simon Baldry, like proper racial abuse. And this is, this is groups of predominantly men doing yeah. this. Like, you think about that now, yeah. that would not happen. I, I yeah, this I have was heard,
0: a, a teenager yeah. sliding into his DMs, wasn't it, on yeah. Instagram?
1: But I, I, have, I have heard, still, I, I hear... Um, I don't want to say something like low-level abuse, but but I hear racial abuse, I hear homophobic abuse. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a willful blindness to a lot of it. And, yeah. you know, that's something that I can't, as, as a white bloke... Um, Understand mm. what impact that would have, because I can guarantee you that is not the only racial abuse that Philip no. Billing have received. No, and it's and it's he, probably been a low level constant wherever he goes as well. Yeah, I was
0: about to say, yeah, he, he he's gonna get it, and, and probably all black players mm. will get it wherever they play. So you know, we're not trying to make out like, but you can understand how if a, a player was already kind of unhappy with. You know he's been with the club since he's a teenager, and if he's already unhappy with his standing, he thinks that he's proven himself as a Premier League player and doesn't want to play in the Championship anymore. Uh, and he's already, you know, he's not getting on with the with the new head coach. Whether that's, you know, whether he's tried to get on with with Siva is another matter, but I doubt uh, it. And, and yeah, it. seems like like it's let's not. be clear, and that's what he did.
1: Issue, what it? he did was wrong. Yeah, what, what, it was definitely a disciplinary offence. Yeah.
0: But but, at the, but you can understand how if all of that was going on and then you also got this racial abuse mm-hmm. you'd be like oh do you know what yeah. I'm completely done with this and, and now
1: and now, obviously since the interview came out and it's something to be expected that he's just got constant I imagine his mentions on, on social media are just constant abuse
0: Yeah So Oh yeah any time we post any story about Billy Norzenka Twitter and Facebook is there'll be 15 comments within 5 yeah, minutes Yeah, yeah good riddance and blah, blah, blah. And you can understand the fans feeling that way. I
1: can certainly understand about a Billion, but I just don't get the Zanka thing. I, yeah. I, I think that's a, a level of people being quite precious. Yeah. Um, but kind of my attitude or my approach would be, it's happened, there's clearly this fracture between the player and the club and the fan base, let's just all move on. Yeah. It's in both our interests to get a deal with the most money possible, yeah, and then to you know say thanks, Phil. Really appreciated.
0: I don't think many people will be saying that. No, they sure. won't. <laughs> but you
1: don't. And I'm not saying you're after, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying we need to just yeah. you know move on because they're, they're,
0: they're it's, kind of toxic, and they, they're off. The, and I think that's why they've been taking out the squad yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, it's just it's it's a bit. It becomes a bit of a circus otherwise, doesn't it? Having them mm-hmm. around um, around the team and around. Um, around the club so. and I understand in a sense
1: as well I'm playing a bit devil's advocate because yeah. I've only ever heard one side of this story Yeah, and you know by arguing that the employment situation of footballers is akin to indentured servitude I am taking some liberties or using creative license but I do think it is important at some junctures to, to, to reflect on these things yeah um, to not always have a knee-jerk response or to pile in and to sometimes just say okay, it is what it is so it goes, let's move on
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll be out of the club and it'll be you know, all in the past soon and we can focus on, on the positives Is there anything else you wanted to cover today, Jim?
1: Um, I can't think of anything of pressing importance We
0: need to say some stuff for next week, don't we?
1: Yeah, so Montpellier. Something (laughs) about that.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to
1: lie to you. I don't know anything about Montpellier. Wow, no, nor do I. Steve Mounier came from Montpellier, did he? He did. Yeah, yeah. So that's.
0: What does Montpellier mean? He's not there anymore,
1: though. So that's useless information. Is
0: it Pale Mountain or something like that? Is that? I don't know. I don't know. It's in the south of France. It is in the south of France. Yeah. Can't
1: get an internet up here in this tower. So.
0: So, yeah, we, yeah, we've got Montpellier and obviously we'll be previewing the championship season ahead because by the time next week's episode drops, it'll be the Friday before we play Derby on the Monday. That'll be a good
1: episode, I think, because we yeah. can get into all the other teams. Whoa, and, there's other and teams. Derby preview.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I've got it on good authority. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. You've heard it here first. That'll be a good episode to so make sure that you're subscribed. Yeah. yeah. Like and subscribe. Maybe and send us
1: some questions as well. Yeah, maybe do the work
0: for us yeah why not I mean we do do the live Q&A's but yeah send, send us send us questions just sort of write them on a, on a note and screw it up and send it into the ether
1: um, no questions about ducks and Andy Booth we've, we've had that one it was dispatched
0: quite well by Stephen here that was from Chris Nee, who I do another podcast with
1: oh the, uh, the, the just for anybody who's slightly confused <laughs> we're in a room and the shutters have just started going up it's quite terrifying. To yeah, me. it feels we're exposed like exposed to the world.
0: <laughs> I know, it feels like we're about to get like uh, we're in a Well, the ivory tower is about to be stormed by the angry masses. It's, the word, what you said about billion and Zanker, and it's, it's,
1: it's about to be exposed as a, a a relatively unimposing building on a pretty dull <laughs> industrial <laughs> estate in Bradley. To be honest, the secret is out. Oh well.
0: Oh well. So in the meantime you can follow us on Examiner HTFC. You can also find us on Facebook if you put in Examiner Live Huddersfield Town News. We'll be on there. I'm on Twitter at Steven Chicken. That's Stephen with a V. Jimmy you on Twitter?
1: I am, it's Jim underscore Chisholm C-H-I-S-E-N.
0: And there we go. And until then, we will see you next time. Goodbye.
1: Bye. <laughs>